0: This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. For years, we have been talking about the oncoming silver tsunami, it's been called. The aging of the baby boomer generation and the demand that is going to create when it comes to uh, taking care of that aging population. Well, the BC Care Providers Association says that demand has been created. It has arrived and there is a lack of investment. Their latest report says the demand for long-term care is going to spike in the next 20 years with up to 45,000 new long-term care beds needed over that time. The report goes on to make a number of new recommendations on this issue. So we wanted to talk about the whole thing with the help of Daniel Fontaine, CEO of the BC Care Providers Association and chair of the Canadian Association for Long-Term Care. Daniel, thanks for being back with us. Oh,
1: thanks for having me on.
0: Okay, tell me about some of these recommendations. Like, What do we need to do to make sure this generation is looked after?
1: Well, first and foremost, we need to make the investments. Uh, we actually have to begin starting to construct uh, new uh, care beds. It's just quite simple. Uh, we just, right now, we're about 3,000 short of what we need in the province of British Columbia to actually meet existing demand. Forget looking out into the next 20 years. We know from some of the data that we obtained from the province that back in March of last year, there was already 1,400 people waiting to access a long-term care bed, and that was up 7% year over year. And as the baby boom generation enters into those retirement years, and we've known this, like you said, for several decades that this is coming, uh, we're now just, it's now here. It's no longer about something in the future or theoretical. We're now right in the middle of that. And this report is really an eye-opener. And I must say, I've been working in this sector now for about seven years, and uh, even myself, I was quite... (laughs) taken aback at the numbers uh when the data came back in in terms of the the numbers of, of care beds we're going to need so it, it's it really will re- require us to sit down with the government for the government to work with us as a partner uh and to be able to to map this out and to make sure it's done as efficiently and as effectively as possible over the coming decades
0: so daniel if that's the case then are the existing models going to work or are we going to have to think differently here
1: We absolutely have to think differently and that's what the report talks about so it's not just about building long-term care beds that is absolutely critical but we need to make investments in things like home care and assisted living and we need to provide other options as well so that if people do want to live at home uh, longer they should be able to do that. But I must say, on the area of home care, you've probably heard me uh, talking about this in the last few weeks. I'm concerned because the province is actually moving away from partnering with nonprofits and other organizations to deliver home care. And they're bringing all the workers in And about a year from now. All these 4,000 plus workers are now going to be government employees. The costs are going to be going up on the home care side. This is at a time when our population is aging and we know based on this report that we're going to have to build 45,000 more beds. And if we're going to do that cost effectively, it's going to have to be done in partnership with with organizations that are out there providing that service right now.
0: Okay, but that's that's a lot of demand that's going to be needed fairly quickly. Have other jurisdictions risen to this challenge? And how have they done it?
1: Well, other provinces, we've gone through a spate of elections, as we've all witnessed in the last uh, yeah. you know, number of years. And so there's been a lot of commitments everywhere from Ontario, Alberta, uh, you know, back east around the development of new uh, care beds. They they understand that there has to be an expansion. I know that in Ontario, they've kind of cut back the total number of beds, but they're still going forward, even under the Doug Ford government, in terms of uh, developing new beds. This is really a national problem, although it's more acute in British Columbia because we're a destination for That's retirees. That's what I was wondering, people. yeah. People love, I love living here.
0: I know, but when they retire, they tend to move out here, right? Which I think makes it for BC an even more critical issue.
1: Absolutely. And it's very critical. In fact, it's so critical that a couple of weeks ago, we declared a health human resources emergency in the Okanagan and the BC interior and that's because there simply are so many people moving into the interior, retiring, and we just simply do not have uh, the care staff. And the report, although it doesn't focus on that, the report does speak to the numbers. And again, those numbers are staggering: 19,000 new care providers that we need. That's a net new increase of care providers in the province. That's 13,000 carried, like 4,000 nurses, a couple thousand other allied health professionals. We don't have a plan right now, Simi. There is no health human resources plan in the province right now to to even come close to getting close to those numbers. And we have to get going on this. And I know I've been sounding this alarm for yeah. three or four years, but I just feel like we're not yeah. we're not moving quick enough.
0: Is one type of care, Daniel, like more popular than others? Like, are we going to need to? What do we need to ramp up here?
1: It's a mix of everything. We need more home care. We've heard that clearly from seniors. We've heard it from the health authorities. We've heard it from the the uh, you know, other organizations that have said we need more home care. That's critical so that people can stay at home as long as they can and not be required to move into long term care. But we also know that at some point people can no longer live in their homes any longer or they perhaps want to sell their homes and move into a different uh, lifestyle, so maybe independent living or assisted living. It's a real mix of everything. It's not like it's just one particular um, type of housing that will solve the problem. It's going to have to be a real kind of holistic approach to it. And we know, um, you know, through the, the fact that we've already been delivering a lot of this care, we know what to do. We just have to do more of it. And that is a political decision that will require some... Uh, you know, somebody to sharpen their pencil in Victoria and, and get to work on it.
0: Yeah, so I was wondering, so is the industry prepared to do this? Like, can they ramp up? Are there enough mm-hmm. employees? And if not, where are we going to find them?
1: No, there are not enough employees. Well, fully admit that. We've, we've uh, published multiple reports on that. So what we need to do, and, and we've submitted a, a, a proposal to get the government. In fact, when Minister Dix became minister a couple of years ago, we uh, reached out to him immediately and said, let's get going on this. Here's a proposal to actually begin attracting Getting more people into the sector, uh, you know. For example, we just there was a job fair in Calgary just a couple of weeks ago, and they expected about hundred carriages to come to the job fair. Over five hundred carriages came to the job fair in Calgary. Many of them said that they'd love to move to the Okanagan and to British Columbia, but our provincial restrictions that we've imposed are keeping those workers out of the province. They're not allowed to move into BC. So at a time when we we're trying to get more people, we should be thinking out of the box a little bit and mm-hmm. figuring out ways of getting people in and, more importantly, training people here locally, getting our kids in high school to be trained to work in healthcare professions and and increasing the funding for training in our post-secondary institutions. All those things we had put forward in, in a plan and we're, we were hopeful that the government was going to uh, to work with us, but to date... There's been really no uh, response
0: okay, what kind of restrictions are we talking about here? What prevents somebody who's working mm-hmm. in Saskatchewan or Manitoba from moving here?
1: So the restriction is that if you want to uh, come here from Alberta, you have to be registered on something called the BC carried registry, and we actually support the BC carried registry. We think it's a good good thing, but here's what's happened is over the years they've continued to raise the bar on how you can actually be accepted to the carried registry. so if you're a fully trained carried just graduated from a public institution in Calgary, and you want to be a carried in British Columbia, you have to fly or drive all the way to Vancouver. You have to be tested by this pub- public agency. You then have to pay $800 Ooh. to get the testing. And here's the kicker, uh, Simi. Do you know what the pass-fail rate is for everybody who's, who's fully trained and qualified who comes to BC to, to get on the carried registry? It's 1% pass, 99% no. fail.
0: So, like, we're making them do all that, jump through all those hoops, and then we're not even passing them?
1: 99% fail. So you can imagine if you're carried in Alberta or Saskatchewan and you want to move here to BC and work in our sector and you want to contribute and work with seniors, why would you do that when the pass-fail rate is 1% pass and 99% fail? So we've, we've really, uh, you know, asked the, the minister to, to rethink this policy of charging $800, forcing people to come to Vancouver for this testing, and to figure out why the system is set up to keep 99% of those fully trained from from the prairies from working here in BC. So we don't have right now an adequate response to that, but we've raised it to the government's attention a couple of weeks ago, and we know that we've been getting a lot of response to it in the interior. A lot of people have written us, phoned us, and said... Good on you guys for raising that, and hopefully the government will take action.
0: Okay, and which ministry does that fall under? Is that also the Ministry of Health?
1: All under the Ministry of Health. The carried registry is uh, is managed by the Ministry of Health. It's funded by the Ministry of Health. And uh, with the stroke of a pen, the minister could open up the doors to perhaps thousands of additional carriers who are wanting to perhaps trained in the Philippines as a registered nurse or a, a licensed practical nurse who want to work here. And they're being restricted and and working in either other professions or they're going to stay in their home provinces of Alberta and Saskatchewan and not be here. And I tell you, the seniors I'm talking to, they want the care. They want the care to be there when they need it. And putting up these kind of red tape and bureaucracy is not, in my opinion, the Mm -hmm. approach, uh, not effective approach.
0: Daniel, thanks so much for telling us about it.
1: Oh, thanks for having me on. That is
0: Daniel Fontaine, CEO of the BC Care Providers Association and chair of the Canadian Association for Long-Term Care, talking about their report that says there's a lot of things that BC needs to do and it's struggled to keep up with the demand for long-term care.